You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. I don't know, it might have dated myself, but any of y'all ever um, played the game Mortal Kombat? Um, there was a part in that um, game uh, when you were really fighting, they would say, finish him. <laughs> this lesson today, you might feel finished. <laughs> uh, but there are things that God wants us to know and learn, and it is my assignment to teach it as it is teaching, as God is teaching me. What is a speed bump? Speed bump is a small raised area that is built across a road to force people to drive more slowly. That's what the Cambridge Dictionary says. It's a small raised area built across a road to force people to drive more slowly. The operative word in there is force because we won't do it they have to put something in place for us to do it. Speed bump is there to cause us to drive slowly. How many of you all are speed believers? I'm gonna call you believe, I'm gonna call you demons, I don't believe in that. Speed believers, how many of y'all speed believers? Just raise your hand, I'm like I'm a, I'm a speed believer. <laughs> the other day, Miles and I was, um, we were riding to um, East Jessamine High School um, I think he had one of his many practices or something he has, whereby which I am his free Uber driver. And when we were riding to the school, on the particular lane that gets to the school, there are speed bumps on both sides of the road. And he said, he said, you know, um, brother always rides around the speed bumps because at one point in that road, you could drive in between the speed bumps and avoid them all. You could drive all the way down the lane and just kind of avoid. Anybody ever done that before where you just try to go around the speed bumps? So that's what he used to do. At least I didn't know that until Miles told me that he's now graduated from high school, so I can't get on him for something that he's not doing anymore. Uh, but that's what he used to do. But now um, the administration at the school has gotten smart. So now where that middle part were, was where people could drive through, now there are speed bumps all the way through it. So you can't just get through there. Uh, so now you have to drive through at a slower pace so that you don't ride through because you had somewhere to go. That's what the speed bumps are there for, to make sure you slow down and that you are aware of your surroundings. Now, those speed bumps are there as it relates to a school area, and, and some speed bumps are there for parking lots and for other things. But as it relates to our life, how many of us are always trying to drive around the speed bumps of our life? Whatever is there and designed to slow us down, we're trying to drive around it. Like we're trying to maneuver, like whatever represents slowing down, we are not interested in it. Whatever is involved in getting us to have a slower pace in life, we're not interested in it. We are not interested in slow. Am I the only one? I'm not interested in slow. So much so, give you all a little thing about me. I can't even listen to an audio book, which I do. I don't listen to an audio book on regular speed. 
I listened to an audio book at like two times, like uh, 1.7 or two times or something like that. So when people get in my car, they'll be like, what are you listening to? Like you'll be like, I can understand it. I don't even watch a little I don't even watch Netflix shows on original speed. Some of y'all are like, how do you do that? Ask me later. It is possible to speed up things so you can get through it. You can't do it on your TV. You have to do it otherwise. Tell me. I'll tell you in the lobby. Don't worry about it. But I can't, I don't watch because one, the one thing I cannot get back is my time. And I have a lot of things that are pulling at me in many different areas and I don't have the luxury of others to just binge watch an entire season in one day. Because to do that would mean there are many other things that I can't get accomplished because I was binge watching on things. However, I can speed it up and I can get through two episodes in half the time that you got through yours. So I am not interested a lot of times, so I'm not just talking to you, but to myself, I'm not interested in the idea of slow. In our world, our culture, slow is a problem. When someone, I'll give it to make it more personal, if someone has a low IQ, we call them slow. If the restaurant is not responding in the time frame that you have set up, we say the restaurant is slow. If a movie is not filled with action like Fast and Furious Part 18 or whatever it is that we're watching and it doesn't have a lot of engagement and someone, you, you tell somebody how the movie was, you say the movie was good, but it was slow. We identify anything that is bad and a waste of our time as slow. So by nature, we think that slow is bad and fast is good. Even Marion, I'm a, you know, if I was in the old Baptist church, they'd be like, I'm going to argue this text. But I'm going to argue this, 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 this thought today. Marion Webster even defines slow as mentally dull, stupid, naturally inert or sluggish, lacking in readiness, promptness, or willingness. So if Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines it as mentally dull, stupid, naturally inert, or sluggish, lacking in readiness, promptness, or willingness, that has defined some of our culture interactions. Anything that we deem to be slow is naturally inert or sluggish, lacking in readiness, mentally dull, all those different things. And we look as slow as something that is not worth our time. So much so, our culture is so interested in fast results that if we're in a place that has slow Wi-Fi, we complain. If I can't connect, this Wi-Fi is trash. Because we're interested in quick experiences, so much so even Chick-fil-A has a drive express line. Where you can drive through quick, you can do it a mobile order and just drive through and avoid the wait line. If you go to Disney World, it even has an express lane that you don't have to stand in hours for that. So you can just go all the way through, have the experience eight times if you want to, while everybody else stands in line for two hours. Because we are so interested. Have, have you started being slapped yet? Do y'all feel bad yet? Good. If you don't, I'm coming for you. We are so interested in fast. Are y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready? Say, keep on going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Social media. 
I'm ready. Y'all ready? Second row, y'all ready for me? Y'all ready? All right, y'all good? All right. These are the people who tell me to stop or not. Put that, put that on the screen, please. The first president of Facebook says these words. Facebook, the thought process that went into building these applications. Facebook, being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or on a post or whatever. That's going to get you to contribute more content. That's going to get you more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. Let the church be quiet. That when the president, the first president of Facebook designed, they said when they designed this app, it was designed to see how much time can we consume from them. How can we tap into their human psychology, psychology? How can we get to them mentally to the point that they are so distracted for hours and never knowing how distracted they are for hours upon hours upon hours? And Facebook now owns Instagram. How long can I keep you scrolling and you not even realize that you're producing nothing? How many reels can I get on your feed to attract you and to make you laugh and to make you excited? How many, somebody's like, somebody was looking at me and all of a sudden they were just like, <laughs> how much can I do to consume your mind that you are never effective, but you are socially active and never spiritually growing? The line that grabbed me, put that my last screen up there. This is a line that grabbed me, the very last line of the thing that he said on Facebook. I know y'all don't want to see it again, but I want to see it again. The last thing, go back, go back, go back, go back. They're not ready for that. Go back. The, the thing I was just reading. The thing I was just reading. Yes. He says, this is the thing that got me. He said, it's exactly the kind of thing like a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting the vulnerability in human psychology. My question is, who's hacked into your life? I'm so all over the place. Do you have a hacker in your life? Someone who's hacking into your life that you're not moving. He said, it sounds like the kind of thing that a hacker like myself. So you think... That these social algorithms, why is it that you can talk about a certain thing? Why is it that you can talk about something and all of a sudden it appears on your phone? How is it that you can be somewhere just saying something, oh, I need to get that shoe. And all of a sudden, as soon as you go on Facebook, there's an ad for that shoe. They're like, how did that come up? I knew the Lord must be speaking to me. It sounds like the kind of thing that a hacker would do to confirm your inner lust and desires. To get you distracted and never effective. Speed bumps. <laughs> Y'all ready? 
So the first area that I want to talk about as it relates to speed bumps today, and this, some of y'all, I mean, y'all look like y'all want to fight me. I didn't come up with this. But when we look at the first area as far as speed bumps, as we're in Mental Health Awareness Month, this first area I want to talk about is mental speed bumps. Dr. Anita Phillips says this. She says, emotions are not sinful. Christians spend a lot of time trying not to feel to be faithful to God. Say it one more time. Emotions are not sinful. Christians spend a lot of time trying to not to feel to be faithful to God. Your feelings are not a sin. Will you do me a favor and tell someone it's not a sin to feel? How do I know this? I want Bible for it. Maybe they didn't put those notes up there for you, but for those of you who need the notes, they're already on your events, your Bible app. But, but to make sure you know that emotions are not a sin, even Jesus wept. He cried because he was going through something. He was crying because his friend died. It is, it is both masculine and normal to cry. It is both natural and it is human to have an emotional experience. Your emotions are not demonic. You just have to learn what to do with your emotions. Even David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock. Let us higher than I. Lead me to God. Meaning, there will be times when I will be overwhelmed. Make sure that I point towards you and not point to my own thing that can cause me to have a temporary fix. When my heart is overwhelmed, anxiety and those things are real feelings and they are not sinful. So here we have in Matthew, the 11th chapter and verse 28, when Jesus says to them, he says, come to me. Someone say, come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and all you who are heavy laden or all of you who are burdened. Is there anybody in this room right now who's got any type of weariness or fatigue going on in your life? He says, come to me. That is the prerequisite for you to come to God. Not come to me, everybody who's got your life together. Not come to me, everybody who thinks you got it together. Everybody who knows what to do and who to do and how to do it and what you got all these degrees on the wall. He says, come to me, anybody who's going through anything. Come to me. Just come to Jesus. Like run to me. Like walk to me. Run to me. Talk to me. Any, come on, Tevin Campbell. Can we talk for a minute about what's going on with you and in you and through you? What's happening in your life? Whatever it is you're going through, come to Jesus. Look at someone say, whatever you're going through, go to God. Go to God. No, no matter what it is. That's why Albertina Walker says, makes no difference what the problem. I can go to God in prayer. I don't go to God in prayer as a last resort. I go to God in prayer as a first resort. No matter what it is, no matter what it is, someone say no matter what it is, no matter what it is, half the time, God already, not half the time, all the time, God already knows he just wants you to say it. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's almost just like, uh, say, say you as a child, when I was growing up, I remember times that, that I would fall down, or you might have a child, and you fall down and you scrape yourself, and you would go to your mom or your parent or guardian, whoever, and, and it wouldn't be a, a big cut or whatever, but you made it big because you were dramatic like I was. And you go to them, you're like, ah, 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 and mom says, where is it? Where is it? You're like, it's right here. 
and there'll be nothing but a little scratch. And they say, let me see it. And, you, and then they, all they do is put their hand on it. They don't put a band-aid on it because you ain't bleeding. They don't do nothing. They're like, you feel better? <laughs> and then you go back out there and start doing the same thing you were doing again. It's the touch of love to say that it doesn't hurt me, but because it hurts you, I'm going to touch what hurts you. And that is what God does. It might not be big to God, but if it's big to you, it's a concern for God. So he's saying, come to me, crying. Come to me all over the place. Come to me no matter where you're at. He says, and I will touch it. Come to me and I will handle it. Come to me and I can fix it. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, I understand that everybody in this room is not scholars as it relates to finding biblical studies and history and stuff like that. So it's my job to make sure you understand what a yoke is. Because we say these words sometimes in church and we think that everybody knows what a yoke is and everybody does not. But when it relates to a yoke, that time they were talking about a particular harness that used to be on two ox. And you have to see a field, you have to know about agriculture, you have to know about farming and all that type of stuff and here it was that these two ox would be out there to make sure that the the ground was tilled and the ground was was leveled and all this stuff and they would put an ox on these two uh, they would put a harness or a yoke on these two different ox and they would make sure that the harness the harness kept the two animals submissive and kept them surrendered hold this kept them surrendered to the will of the farmer the ox were only able to surrender to the design that the farmer had in mind, and they were only designed to go in the direction that the farmer had in mind. Let's make that spiritual. Some of you right now got a yoke on you, and it's not God's. The yoke was designed to control the animal, to make sure that they go in the direction that they want them to go so that they could feel, fulfill the purpose of the farmer. It is also what the enemy tries to do as well, to put a yoke on you so that you fulfill the design of the enemy and never the design of God. Where you can't sleep at night, you can't function, you can't function in your life, that, that there's a yoke on you to the point that you can't experience God because you got something on you that is weighing you down to the point that you can't fully function and you can't fully operate because of the yoke that is on you. But Jesus said, come to me and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's to say, Jesus does have a yoke as well, but his yoke is not demonic. His yoke is spiritual. He says, I do have something this called that I will put on you for you to be a student of me, that you will be a disciple of me, but you will never be a slave of mine. I will never put you under oppressive control. The yoke that I have for you, is this helping anybody? The yoke that I have for you is light. What does that mean? Jesus did not say in the scripture that you won't have problems. Jesus did not say you won't have issues. So all of you all who say stuff like serving Jesus is hard. It seems like I'm going through more stuff right now than I've ever gone. How many said stuff like that? I feel like I'm under constant attack and pressure. It doesn't mean that you won't have attack, but he will make sure that the attack is bearable. It is the equivalent of you own a trip and you have a suitcase that is full of clothes. And for you to carry that, for you to carry the luggage on your own is heavy. 
but it's different when you have a heavy luggage, but you have wheels on it. That you still got a luggage, but I can manage it because it's got wheels. Some of y'all are trying to handle your life without the will of grace, without the will of his love, without the will of his anointing. And you're trying to carry this pressure and you were not designed to carry pressure that God has given you wheels to be able to carry you through. Come on, mighty clouds of joy. He says, heavy load. Jesus will help you bear your heavy load. Tell somebody he'll help you carry it. He'll, he'll help you carry it. He does not want you to always be walking around burdened and depressed and lonely and confused and depressed. And every time you wake up in the morning, how you doing? Burdened. When we see you out in the, in the, in the marketplace and we see you different places, how you doing? Going through. What you need prayer about is so much. Text you and I say, you were on my mind, just wanted to check on how you doing. You don't even have the characters to hear what I got going on. Facebook asks you what's on my mind and you want to say, do you really want to know? God has not designed us to be spiritually all over the place. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, all of you who are going through, all of you who want to slap people, all of you who want to fight somebody, all of you who want to revert back to your ways. He says, come to me. He says, cast your cares upon me. Learn of me, meaning there is a way that God has to deal with things that are countercultural to your ways. That's why he says, come to me, take my yoke and learn of me, not learn church. Not learn church, learn his ways. There is a different, why do we sing the song all the time or we say the scripture all the time? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, which means there is a different way that is not my way. Isaiah says his ways are above my ways. His thoughts are beyond my thoughts. He does not think like, how do I know this scripture even says one time, he says, if someone hits you on one cheek, y'all say hit back. I don't, I don't believe in that. That's not how God is. He says, I want you to make sure that you are mentally whole. I want to make sure you're mentally whole. Someone say, he wants me whole. But some of us, as it relates to mental, the mental speed bumps, is we try to go around God's ways because I want to justify my ways. And because you go around God's ways, your mind is playing tricks on you. And you're all over the place. And the scripture says, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're heavy laden. I will give you rest. And when he says rest, I'm not talking about he will give you sleep. Sleep and rest are two different things. How many of you have ever gone to sleep when you still woke up unrestful? He says, I don't want you to have a good night's sleep. I want you to have a life of rest. But you're walking through, no matter what you experience, no matter what you're going through, you have rest. Look at someone say, just have rest. Just have rest. All right. All right. It's going to be one of those days. All right. Let's teach this. Speed bumps of mental. That's the first area. The second thing is, y'all ready for the second thing? Second thing is financial speed bumps. I asked y'all, y'all ready? Y'all weren't ready? I was going to stay on mental a little bit longer. Thank you. <laughs> Financial speed bumps. Well, here we go. We try, and I say we, I mean myself included, 
we try to go around God's principle of giving, his speed bump of giving, to slow us down to think. We try to go around this principle of giving with internal questions like these. These are the type of things we say. Do I tithe? Is it an Old Testament principle or is it a New Testament principle? Is it a law or is it God's suggestion? Do I give on the net or do I give on the gross? I'm so, I love how y'all looking at me. I promise y'all. I didn't ask y'all to come to church today. How often should I give? Do I give every Sunday or do I give only when I'm paid? Can I pay installments on my tides? What if I give to other organizations, doesn't that count? So if I give to other organizations, I probably shouldn't give to the church because I don't have anything else to give. I gave to my organization. Where exactly does the money go anyway? What if I give my time and my talent? I don't need to give my treasure too, do I? The church don't seem broke. They seem like they got everything. I'm good, right? Y'all good? Come on, Tabitha Brown. Very good. We try to go around the spiritual speed bumps, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 7 says this. Let's go there, Pastor Station. They need to hear your voice. They need, they need a, a mother in Zion. Speak to them, please. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That scripture doesn't say nothing about tithing or not tithing. It says nothing about giving on the net or the gross. It says nothing about how often to give. It has, it has nothing to do with that. And even though a lot of us want to argue, this, have you ever noticed something? That you get, if, if you really get with someone who's a real veteran, um, a veteran, um, I don't know if this is the right word, um, argumentative person, they will trip you in an argument and you never get to the real root of the matter. Like, I'm just going to argue you down and keep on arguing and keep on talking, and I'm never really going to get to really what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, and they said a whole bunch of stuff and never said nothing? <laughs> Mama Joanne was like, yes. <laughs> I mean, have you ever you just had a conversation, and you walk away with just like, you ain't said nothing. Sometimes you hear messages, you be like, you ain't talking about nothing. You know, it's just sometimes people will talk around it and never talk about it. And there are some of us right now, to be really honest, you talk about finances so much so that you never land what God said. So you will argue on Facebook, you will argue on Instagram, you will argue with people, you will argue through text message, you will argue with the word, you will argue with biblical teachers, you will argue just to keep you from never really fulfilling God's principles. So should I tithe or not? Should I give or should I not? Is it Old Testament or New Testament? It doesn't matter. The real question is, are you a giver? Not Old Testament or New Testament. It's are you a giver, period. 
Doesn't matter how you give, do you give anything? I'm not talking about, I give my time, good. I give my talent, good. Have you given God his treasure? Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's, it's his anyway. So how are you, like what does your bank account say about your giving? Because the truth of the matter is all of us in this room give to something. It's just a little God and not the big one. How do you know this? Amazon Prime. We worship him every week. Jeff Bezos, we worship him. We, his, his church is fat. Everybody's got a little piece of God's money everywhere else but in his house. But Matthew says, he said, Malachi says, he says, make sure that you bring all of it to my house. Call it tithes, call it offering, call it what you want. He says, bring what you need to my, my house. Someone say his house. Not to Chick-fil-A. To his house. How can God's money be in Jeff Bezos' house when it's supposed to be in his house? Church, don't y'all look at me in that tone of voice. How can his house be less furnished than your house? How can God's money be on you and not with him? I mean, I, I, I had to get that car, did you? I had, to get, I had to get that thing in my house. I had to get, did you? He says, it's not a principle of arguing me down. It's because when we start getting there, because that's, that's the whole thing, take it out of money. That's the whole thing of who, God, who does God love? And we have a whole list of what God doesn't like and what God doesn't deal with and who God doesn't deal with. And God sitting in heaven saying, I never told you that. I never separated the line and I never said I deal with these and I don't deal with that. He says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm for those who are for me. I love the entire world. Just because you don't love them don't mean I don't love them. I love everybody. Is there any everybody's in this room right now? He loves everybody. God is not in heaven having arguments about does he like black people, white people, Republicans, Democrats, others, nuns. He's not having conversation about the Koji, about the Baptist, about the Methodist. We have those conversations and we say who we don't like and who we don't deal with. And we post on Instagram and we say that's what they doing. That's what the liberals are doing. Child, what are you doing in your own life? God is not tripped up on us, the stuff that we are tripped up on. And unfortunately, some of us Christians are tripping up more people than God. There are some people who can't get to God because of us. I can't get to God because of how you are. I want to see God, but you are in my way. I thought God was love until I met you. I thought God was kind until I sat near you. And I sat by you at one church service and realized how much you talk about everybody on the stage, but smile in front of everybody's face in the lobby. And it confused me on what a believer is really supposed to be like. This scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. That cheerful word means hilarious. It means someone who wants to give. He doesn't want you to give reluctantly of all compulsion. He says give because you are a cheerful giver. You want to give. Even if your giving is 
five, uh, uh, some cents. That's all you got. He says, but you love to give that to say, I don't have a lot, but Lord, this is what I got. The widow's might said, I don't have a lot, but whatever I have, it belongs to you. Come on, song. We used to sing this song. I said it in Bible study. He says, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. We don't have people who even sing those songs. Nevertheless, pray those prayers anymore. We're not saying any longer, Lord, my life is yours. When they sang that song earlier, it almost fell flat, PJ, when you talk talking about in my life be glorified. Nobody wants to say that anymore. We only want to say in my time on Sunday be glorified. You can't have my Monday. You can't have my Tuesday. You can't have my home. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my mind. You can't have my anger. You can't have my issues. You can't have my alcohol. You can't have my secret desire. You can't have my web browsing. You can't have my intake. You can't have my Instagram. You can't have my Facebook. So we're going to sing a song up in this church and say in my life be glorified. We can't sing it because we don't want him to have our life. I don't want you to have my life. Matter of fact, I'm only here because somebody invited me. I don't even want to be in church today. I don't want to be here. I'm here out of obligation, not out of relationship. I'm serving because you want me to. And if, you, if I don't serve, you're going to call me on it. But it is not from my heart. So I can't sing be glorified because I don't want you to. I can't come up to the altar with my hands up because to put my hands up means I got to let go of my stuff and I'm not ready to let go of my stuff. So I can't do an altar call because that means I got to release and I don't feel like releasing yet. When I was growing up, when they had an altar call, they would say, come with your hands up. You came with your hands up. I mean, you didn't wait for somebody to whisper in your ear and say, what are you up here for? The first thing was I came up here with surrender. My surrender means I'm tired of doing it on my own. My surrender says I'm not doing well trying to be Lord of my own life. I lift my hands and say, God, you can have me and you can have it and you can have them and you can have that. You can have all of it because I belong to you. And this scripture says God wants people who want to give. God wants people that are givers. This scripture is an agricultural scripture. Uh, I talked about this in Bible study on Wednesday. And blessed are those who watch Bible study for you shall have God. Yeah. Cursed are those who don't watch Bible study. But blessed are those who watch Bible study on Wednesdays. But, but here it is. This is an agricultural scripture that says that a farmer has a seed. And when the farmer has a seed, the farmer has to put the seed in the ground for it to start to do something. Now, here's the part. The, part, the farmer has to release the seed and put it in the ground. But the rest is up to God. Someone say the rest is up to God. Say it one more time. The farmer, I feel Jesus, even if y'all don't. If you, I have to put the seed in the ground for, the, for it to grow. I have to put the seed in the ground for it to do something. That is the area of trust. God has to bring the rain. God has to make sure the ground is right. God has to do all the rest. But my job is to make sure I put seed in the ground. No farmer is going to go in front of a seedless field and wave his hands in the air and say, God, I speak a harvest over this field. God, I speak increase over this field. Bless me, bless me, bless me, God, indeed. So everyone around me will have everything they need. There is no farmer who ever looks in the ground that they have put no seed in and says a word like that. But we church people do it every single week. Lord, bless my house. Lord, bless my job. Lord, bless my marriage. And God says, 
when is the last time you put seed in the ground because I can't bless a seedless ground I can't bless where you have not planted you cannot say give me friends and you ain't a friend you can't say God give me a husband and you ain't a wife you can't say God give me a wife and you ain't a husband you can't say God give me a job and you hadn't filled out no resume it don't work like that farmers know it but us Christians act like God doesn't see but an agriculture farmer knows hey Shane to say uh, here it is a farmer knows that the only reason that the ground is blessed is because there's seed in the ground he knows that if I plant squash squash is coming up if I plant corn corn is coming up but you can't you can't ask God to bless where you have not planted How are you sowing in, this, in the field that you're in right now? I'm not talking about where you want to be. I'm talking about where you are right now. Where you are right now, every farmer takes that seed. What is it, Gil? Pastor Gil, excuse me. What is it for you to walk around and say, Shane, I got this idea. Oh, it's a good idea. Oh, I got this book. Oh, it's a good book. Oh, I got this entrepreneurial inside of it. It was good. And you ask them, have you given it to God yet? No, but I got it. How long is a seed going to grow in your non-oily hand? What would it be for a farmer to walk around saying, oh, this, this corn is going to bless my family. See. Oh, this squash is going to bless my family. Oh, this corn, oh, these green beans are going to bless my family. And you walk around for years talking about seeds you got in your hand. And your family dies because you kept the seed in your hand and never put it in the ground. No farmer does that. But us, us Christians, we do that. We have to make sure that the seat, that we have to be an active participant with God's plan. Here, Dr. Tony Evans says this. I said this on Wednesday. The process, put on the screen, the process of the seed's development belongs to God. But the sowing of the seed belongs to the farmer. The process belongs to God. But the sowing belongs to me. He'll take care of the process if I take care of the sowing. Look at someone and say, you take care of your part. You take care of your part. If you want a friend, sow a friend. Be a friend. If you want support for your business, support somebody else's business. I told y'all a few weeks before, and I still believe it, that we are some of the non-supportive people of each other. We'll talk about somebody and say, I don't know why she's holding the microphone like that. Well, at least she's got a microphone. If I were her, I wouldn't be reporting the news like that. You are, don't nobody want to hear you report nothing. That's why you're not on the news. We say stuff like, hear me, this is what I remember I was talking to Dear Davidson one time, and she said something like, she said, you would be amazed at how many emails I get from people who look at me and talk about how they don't like my hair. A black woman on the news, and all you can do is talk about you don't like her hair. Do it then. Are you a cosmetologist? 
Are you a hairstyler? If you can't do nothing, if you can't, if you can't help them, don't hurt them. I love how y'all clapped on that different part right here. And this is what we do. This is how y'all want to drive it even home. Let's take it to the spiritual place. Oh, you go over there to consolidate it. How? Oh, you go over there to total grace. How, how you do that? What's it like over there? Oh, you go over there first. Brad, how, how's, ooh, I don't, what's he preach like? Instead of saying, I hope the seeds that are in that field grow. It's not my field, but I sure hope they grow. I tell y'all, y'all don't like me today. But instead of us focusing on the growth of everybody, we are sitting here talking about everybody. Instead of just praying, I want you to grow. I don't care where you grow. I don't care if you speak in tongues or not. Are you growing? That's all I'm concerned about. I don't care if you wear jeans, skinny legs, or three-piece suits. Do you love God? That's all I care about. That's all that matters. Tell somebody that's all that matters. God is not interested in us talking about each other's seed. He wants to know, can you plant it? I put this point in my notes. Don't eat the seed, plant it. Some of you are eating your dreams instead of planting them. And why do you eat them? Because you don't believe in them. So I eat my idea instead of planting my idea because I don't believe in my idea. But if the, if the Lord gave you the idea, he wants you to plant the idea. The Lord says, I know the plans I have for you. You don't. If I woke you up with that idea because I've got something in you, I want you to plant me. I want you to plant it and trust me. Look at somebody and say, trust God. Trust God with your dreams. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your job. Trust God with your school. Trust God with your career. Trust God with your relationship. Trust God with your family. Trust God. He says, I want you to plant the seed and trust me for the rest. Who is that for? Just trust God. Sitting there looking in the field, I'm scared to sow. So, let God do the rest. That's the three. Are y'all ready for more? All right, I'm through. I kind of went off of there for a minute. Mental speed blocks, uh, uh, excuse me, speed bumps. Second was financial speed bumps. The third area, y'all ready for the third area, is spiritual speed bumps. Uh, Michael Zigiari, Charleston, uh, Charleston Southern University School of Business did a survey on obstacles to growth. Let's put that up on the screen real quick. He says, Christians are assimilating. Let me, let me tell you all this. The reason that I'm giving you all a lot of stats and a lot of different things is because I don't want you all to trust my word for it. I want you to know how God studies us. And if you don't know yourself, you'll keep repeating the same thing over and over again and won't realize why you're not getting anywhere. Here it is, he says, Christians are assimilating to the culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more, conform more conformity to the culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and then the cycle begins again. Are you on a crazy cycle of busy? Okay, I, I, let's bring it home. When you ask someone how they're doing, busy, 
How's life? Child, it's good, but I am so busy. I've just got so much going on. How many of y'all say stuff like that? Just, you pick up somebody, you, uh, somebody, you call somebody, uh, are, you, are you available? Child, get to it real quick because I'm busy. And sometimes your busyness is nothing but Netflix. The new speed of life isn't Christian, it's antichrist. Say it one more time. The new speed of life isn't Christian, it's antichrist. We're waiting for the antichrist and might already be worshiping it. I wonder if Donald Trump is the antichrist. Social media might be it. Busy might be it. TikTok may be your antichrist. How do you know it? Because it says as far as antichrist, they will worship and have all of their attention to it. You think it might be a man. It might be AI. It might be algorithms. Anything that has your time and attention has become your God. And it might be your own antichrist. Jesus Christ, today, I feel like the life got sucked out of this room. Like, I don't want to worship the Antichrist. I don't. But here it is that busyness has become the new normal. But here in Psalms 46 and verse 10, Pastor Stacia, they need you again. Read this. Psalms 46, verse 10. Say this. Be still. Huh? And know that I am Stop it right there. Say those first two words. Be still. Somebody felt like I cussed them out. Be still. Some of y'all been like, I need a word from the Lord. The first two words is your word. Be still. Be still. If one of the prophets were here, they would say, have a seat. Be still. Look at someone and say, be still. I'm talking about let your fingers run. What would it look like? Don't answer this. Don't say nothing because I want to know where you are. What would it look like if you took a 24-hour social media break? One of my brothers started holding himself and rocking side to side. <laughs> I thought Sophia was here. Sophia's home now. <laughs> Things could be changing around here. What would it look like if you took a 24-hour period of no gossiping? What would it look like if you took a 24-hour period of no complaining? What would it look like if for 24 hours you said no cuss word, assuming that you do? What would it look like if every hour on the hour you included prayer before you start scrolling? The problem, Pastor Tolan Morgan said this. He said, the problem I have with the new contemporary church is we don't even know when to shout. We don't even know. What we do, like what people are doing right now, this word is a lot. You know why I shout in hard words? It's because God loved me enough to tell me. He loved me enough to not let me go too far. And I say, Lord, thank you for reeling me in because I have not been still. Thank you for telling me to slow down, have several seats. In verse 10, he says, be still and know. Go. So, Pastor Station, I don't want to steal your thunder. Keep reading. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. How can you know God and be in a hurry? You cannot truly live in the kingdom of God, hear this, with a hurried soul. Say it again. You cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. What does that mean? Let me pray real quick. Let me read real quick. Let me worship real quick. You would be amazed at how many people look at their watch when the worship team is up here. You'd be amazed how many people look at their watch while I preach. Are we close to 2.30 yet? You cannot really grow and be in a hurry. The farmer never goes back to the ground and say, corn, where you at? You're taking your precious time down in that dirt. You're suffocating down there. How much long is it going to be? I'm hungry. Because there is a law, a process. There is a law, a process. But in this area, in this age, in this culture of processed food, we don't know how to even know how real food grows anymore. In this era of processed spirituality, we don't even know the real God anymore. I sometimes, Guillaume, I'm sorry, I sometimes, game, I, I sometimes blame Bobby Jones. Some of y'all know Bobby Jones is. Don't worry about it. Because it was the time that we made church professional. And we do extreme on TV just to be on a stage with lights, camera, and actions, and robes, and everything. And everybody became a star. And God never designed gospel artists to be stars. God never designed you to be impressed with Kirk Franklin. He's supposed to be a vessel of God, not a star. But as soon as we see Miranda Curtis, as soon as we see Ty Tribune, ooh, I don't know what I would do if I meet Ty. I don't know what I would do if I meet Yolanda Adams. I don't know what I would do if I met Chandler Moore. I would be insane. It's not God. It's a person. What would I do if I met Jane and Jackson? I wouldn't do nothing but say, what have you done for me lately? That's all I would do. She's just a woman. I would moonwalk and be like, how's Michael doing? Ooh, that's all I'm going to do. What will I do if I met Bishop Jakes? What would I do if I met Keon Henderson? I don't know what I would do. It's a vessel that were never meant to be stars. What would you do if you met yourself? You can't truly have an authentic relationship with God and always be in a hurry. Do you hear me, people? I mean, I'm trying. I know I'm a little loud. But I'm saying to you, seriously, why are we in such a hurry as it relates to our spiritual growth? But we're never in a hurry when it relates to our binging. He says, he says, Donna, he says, be still. Jesus. He says, be still. Jesus. Whew. Be still and know that I am God. I'm so sorry, Ron. I'm sorry. I feel like we are raising a godless church. What is a godless church? A church that doesn't even know God. How can we come to God's house? And not know him. How 
can we critique every single thing and never surrender our life? How can we hurry the worship, hurry the word, hurry everything and never repent and never surrender and never lift our hands and never say, Jesus, I love you above everything, above anything. Take away my car, take away my house, take away everything. But if you leave you, it's more than anything. But now it's shout me. Give me a praise break because praise breaks only last for a few minutes. Give me everything that makes me feel good for a moment because I have no desire to surrender my life to you. There used to be a time that musicians used to worship. Now they can't be found. There used to be a time that it had nothing to do with just singing a song. PJ, I came up in the generation that we would sing one word for 15 minutes and shout out one word. What was that word? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some of y'all be like, that song is so boring. But it's a name. It is not the song. It is not the beat. It's the name. And I'm telling you, church, we got bigger buildings and we don't call the name no more. It is the name that is above every name. Somebody holler out right now, say, Jesus works, Jesus works. But we are so busy. Students are busy. Parents are busy. Singles are busy. Entrepreneurs are busy. Influencers are busy. And we are so busy that there's no reason for us to have a relationship with God anymore. CJ, we used to sing a song. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me while I'm on this teacher's journey. I want Jesus. To walk with me, hold my hand, Lord, hold my hand, hold my hand, Lord, hold my hand while I'm on this teacher's journey. I want Jesus to hold my hand. Grandmama say, nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. But listen, he can't walk with me if I'm always on the run. He can't catch me to walk with me. Mama Higgins, we should sit there and we would say, Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed. 
and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. But he can't have my soul when my soul's on a rush. How can Jesus walk with me and he can't catch me? How can he bless my soul and my soul won't be still? Somebody lift your hands all over the room and say, Lord, just, just steal my soul. Come here, brother. Just come here real quick. Just, 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 um, just, just come up. And I want you to just, we're going to go, we're going to go for a walk. I just want you to just keep going as fast. Don't ever let me catch you. I want to bless you. I can't get, I'm going to catch you. You're going to have to go faster than that. You got to go fast. Like go all the way. Go, go off the stage. We're going around the church. We're going for a walk. Come on. They need to see me anyway. Come on. Go, go, go. I'm trying to bless you. I want to give you strength. Hey, I, I want to do something in your life. I want to do something in your family, but I can't catch you to give you nothing. I'm trying to give you mental stability. I'm trying to make sure you don't lose your mind. I'm trying to make sure your soul is restored. I'm trying to make sure you have some good friends and not frenemies. I'm trying to make sure I get you a good relationship, but I can't catch you because you won't be still. How can I bless you if I can't catch you? And some of y'all like, God wants to bless me. He can't catch you to bless you. Adam. Tia. Sterling. Nedra. Where are you? You can't blame me for being out of place. And you never there. The Bible says, I'll never leave you. But it never said I won't. Stand to your feet all over the room. I want to I want to have a tarrying service. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. Good. It's a wait on the Lord service. It's I'm tired of me. I can't do this. I'm sick of myself. And I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I'm scrolling. I'm, I'm, everything is trying to get my attention but you. Everything has captured me. Everything entertains me, but you, you are boring, but this is entertaining. Put this on the screen, and we're going to go into my Terrian service. We're going to put it on the screen, that, that, that iPhone thing. Please put me on there, please. The average iPhone user touches his or her, her phone 2,600 times a day. Psalm 16 verse 8, go there. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me.
because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I have set the Lord always before me, like he's supposed to always be before me. So my question as we go into this real quick, put my question up there. What would my life look like if God touched my mind as frequently as I touch my phone? What would my life look back like if I said, God, instead of me touching it, you touch me. Instead of me scrolling on that, Lord, you scroll through my heart. Search me. Oh, God, know me, try me, and see if there's anything in me that shouldn't be. Take it out. Because I want to be right. I want to be whole. I want everybody in, there, in this room who is ready for God to touch your mind to run up to this altar real quick. I don't care. You can move the cameras, leave the cameras on. I don't really care. But everybody who wants God to touch your mind, I want you to come up here, run to this altar only for the purpose of saying, God, touch me again. God, touch me. Come with your hands up. Come on. Let's just, that's all we want to do. We're going to have a tarrying service. Lord, touch me. Touch me, oh God. Come on, touch me, oh God, touch me. I've been touching my phone, I've been touching my devices, I've been touching streaming services, you at home. God, i got to have you touch me. Come on, everybody in the room, I just want you to come on, put volume in the room. I mean, it should sound like a labor and delivery room to the point that it sounds loud and it sounds messy. But it's your sound to say, God, touch me, touch my heart, touch my mind, touch me. Come on, touch me, touch me again, touch me, I'm distracted. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. Lord, I've got some speed bumps and I'm trying to go around and I'm saying, Lord, touch me. Come on, church. I mean, what? hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me set this up. Let me set this up real quick. I'm going to set this. It's going to be the last instructions I give you. Listen, we're in the ER unit. I understand that some of you might have come from different backgrounds, but listen, when you come to the ER unit, there's not a Baptist ER unit. There's not a Methodist, there's not a section. There's the, I got an emergency section. Can you help? I got an issue, I got a cut, I got a bruise, I got something that's going on. And I know there's a whole bunch of other people in this waiting room, but I'm saying, but when I got here, I need help. I'm not asking, I'm not filling out insurance papers, I'm not asking if you got room, I'm asking, can you help me? And I'm saying to you, everybody who came up to this altar, you at home, you online, I'm saying to you, it's an ER unit. Don't come here doing the Hail Mary. Come up here saying, help. I'm saying, open your mouth and say, it's messy in my heart. It's messy in my mind. It's messy in my life. Do surgery on me, God. Do surgery on me, God. So for the next few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to open up your mouth and let God do surgery on your heart, surgery on your mind, surgery on your heart, surgery on your distractions, whatever it might be, and watch the surgeon start sweeping through. Watch the doctor start showing up and fixing your mind. Are y'all ready, church? I said, are you ready? Come on, on the count of three, let's go for broke. I mean go for broke. If you ain't never screamed before, scream. If you ain't never fell out before, fall out. Whatever you got to do, if you in the emergency room, do what you would do when it's an emergency. Y'all ready? One. Come on, we walking in the emergency room. We just pulled up. The cars just pulled up in the driveway. Somebody's opening the door and letting you out too. You're walking through the sliding doors right now. Imagine yourself walking through the sliding doors. 
Now we're in the room three. Come on, let's go in there. I need help. Come on, come on. If you ain't got nothing, just help. Come on. Loose your tongue. Loose your tongue. Loose your tongue. Loose your mouth. Not, not my mouth. Loose your mouth. Come on. I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. Come on. Come on. Come on. Somebody. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.